Mental Wounds Not Healing, Life's a Bitter Shame, I'm Going Off the Rails on a Shroom for Two podcast. Welcome to Shroom for Two, the Plants vs. Zombies Heroes podcast that has still held up its New Year's resolution to not play Zomblob decks. Yet. I'm Mike. And I'm Taylor. Happy New Year, Mike. Happy New Year, Taylor. And I'm I'm finally home from all of my holiday traveling, and I think I finally learned something. What'd you learn? I learned that I really should start spending Christmas with my relatives in Florida, because <laughs> flying from one really cold part of the country to go to another really cold part of the country, that doesn't really count as a vacation at all. That's just, why are you even traveling if it's not to escape from the weather you've got at home? And, of, of course, when I flew into Detroit today, it was already snowing for me. Well, hey, at least you missed the giant snowstorm that's about to wallop Boston. Yeah, yeah, we're about to get hit with that dank cone of cold and the bomb-ass front. Um, what was the weird buzzword they made up this time for it? Uh, polar vortex? No, no, the new one. Oh, I don't know. But, yeah, it's some some allegedly huge amount of snow is coming, and um, I'm... I'm not so sure how I'm going to deal with that. We're going to get a little bit less of it. I'm significantly south of that, but like, geez. Bomb Genesis. In Florida. Huh? A bombogenesis, I think is the weird archaic weather word. That's a meteorological term, bombogenesis. I've never heard that before. Noun, meteorology, rapid or extreme cryogenesis, often characterized by a barometric pressure drop of 24 millibars in a 24-hour period. Wow. That's a really dumb word. That sounds like some kind of lame, like, D&D spell from some, like, supplemental book that no one would ever read. Well, you know, you gotta keep coming up with new lingo to keep the youngsters engaged. Yeah, I guess. Everyone's already sick of Polar Vortex. I don't know, I think Polar Vortex sounds pretty sweet, personally. Bomb Cyclone. That's the buzz phrase I've been hearing everywhere. Oh, interesting. Okay, that sounds, that sounds like it could be, like, shock and awe, like one of those, one of those war words that, like colonizes regular language like blitzkrieg yeah when i was trying to think of it i in my mind i was like okay i knew it's something that i want to add i want to reflexively add ass to at some point okay bomb ass something bomb ass cyclone but yeah that's that's coming soon to boston and hopefully not as soon to michigan or philly blitz arsh krieg doesn't have the same ring to it well i hope you're all enjoying your jolly hollies out there yeah, that's that's a pretty good one. Um, I ended up getting three of those. How many did you get, Mike? Uh, I had four already, so I just I think I got four more and ended up grinding up the sparks. Yeah, that is a that is a good side effect of of the dupe uh, event cards is that you know you just kind of get either a quarter of a legendary you want or a just kind of any super rare. Yeah, I was really skeptical of whether that would be enough encouragement to get me to keep playing, but getting a thousand sparks a week is really nice, and it I'm actually slowly but surely crafting a couple of the the set two cards I don't have, and this is a great way to spend that and not have to worry about spending too much of my resources before set four comes out, which could be any day now for all we know. It's the third right now, and it, maybe it'll come out next week. It feels like it'll come out really soon. Yeah, certainly it would be cool if it did. And speaking of uh, set four and Sparks, I made... Uh, a whole bunch of uh, mime gargs for that deck we did last week, and um, there's a bug in mime garg that I I didn't know about, but looking at the Reddit, it seems like this was a thing that people knew already. Um, it the mime garg says 
it does a bonus attack whenever a plant does a bonus attack, um, but it actually doesn't. Um, it has one of those bugs in the, at least in the, either in the text or in the implementation, um, kind of a la um, gondola, where it doesn't actually do what it says. And uh, so if they just changed the text to reflect how it really works in set four, um, then that means it's probably going to disenchant for full value. And I certainly wouldn't mind getting an influx of 16,000 sparks when the new set comes out, because that'll give me a lot of room to maneuver and build interesting, cool new stuff. Okay, so we don't have a listener mail segment this week, but instead we have two uh, Reddit threads we want to plug. One uh, is from me asking uh, for uh, deck building prompts from you all. Um, I think that those are pretty interesting uh, mail segments, you know, when we have either a deck to talk about or maybe like a deck for us each to brew and then we do it a different way and talk about it and whatever. And so um, I'm just interested to hear what kind of decks you all want to build. You know, like we did that thing where we built around Mime Gargantuar. I think that's pretty cool. We've built a ton of repeat moss decks. Um, we actually have an interesting repeat moss deck that we're still kind of brewing that I think we're going to talk about someday. And I just kind of think that building more decks would be make this a cooler show. Um, and so there's a Reddit thread in the show notes that where you can tell us what kind of decks you want to see us make. It helps that we have a uh, an influx of new decks to talk about because at this point I'm playing the same four or five decks and I think I've shared all of them with you all at this point. So having a new challenge to, hey, you know, build around this card before and seeing how uh, Taylor and mine's views on how to carry that out differ, uh, I find that to be real interesting. So yeah, go uh, check out that thread and tell us what kind of decks you want to see us make. Uh, yeah, and our second thread uh, to plug is from uh, listener Sura F, and uh, they are starting what seems to be either a weekly or some kind of periodic discussion of strong meta decks. Um, so there's a thread um, that's also in the show notes and is actually stickied on the Reddit where they're talking about a deck they call Cycle Cap, which is um, a nightcap deck that plays a bunch of mushrooms with Astro Shroom and, uh, and installs it on a Planet of the Grapes to make you draw a million cards. And uh, so that's pretty cool. And uh, so just there's some interesting discussion in the uh, in the thread. There's um, a nice post at the top. We're talking about the strengths and weaknesses of the deck. And, um, yeah, it's just the, the kind of cool stuff that, uh, that I like to see on the Reddit and um, I think would be a pretty cool thing to show, uh, to, to plug on the show, especially if it becomes a recurring thing. And, uh, yeah, so drop in there and uh, give them your thoughts. I had Nightcap as my 10x ticket hero last week. The decks I played with were kind of about this. Like, I didn't think of Astro Shroom and Planet of the Grapes as the core build-around of any of the decks I played, but I played a, a Bounce Nightcap deck and, mm. like, an Aggro Mushroom Nightcap deck, and both of those borrowed heavily from the things in the thread, uh, also implementing other swarms of high damage really fast, like uh, Cro-Magnolia or uh, Tricorn, with, like, some return-to-hand stuff, like, uh, like Leaf Blower. So Bounce, I, I would think that that would lend itself to, like, Bean Tribal. Were you doing any Bean stuff? Yep, there's some Beans in there as well. This, yeah, this was... My version of it is kind of a, a mashing up of a couple of different archetypes. Like, it, now that I'm looking at it, it doesn't actually run Astro Shroom, but it runs Force Shroom for twos and some Cro-Magnolias to just try and build up a big field of uh, high attack tokens real quick, and it's running a decent amount of Bean Synergy. Like, it's got four Cosmic and four Navy and... Uh, some of the bouncy stuff that costs more, and also for uh, Sporticuses, because that goes mm, really yeah, well yeah. on Planet of the Grapes as well. It really does. Also, uh, one last thing about that note. If you're playing Grave Mistake, 
that will make your jelly bean proc and gain one one because something got bounced. Ooh, that's cool. Yeah, it is. It is a weird kind of wording on jelly bean. It says whenever anything gets bounced. I wonder if that was just like sloppy templating that happened to line up, or if they specifically named it that way so it would work with grave mistake. I mean, it's kind of the equal and opposite version of the Cryo Yeti, right? Which I think also has the. Oh, does Cryo Yeti say everything? I think it has an anything qualifier. Let me check. I don't actually own a Cryo Yeti, so let's go to the collection. I think that says plant or zombie. Yeah, you're right. When a plant or zombie is frozen, and yeah, I, I assume that Jelly Bean was done like that on purpose to to account for grave mistake and probably nothing other than grave mistake. Now that I think about the yeah. wording. And I bet that Corral Yeti would probably still trigger if uh, if if Cool Bean froze some gravestones, or at least I guess maybe it would trigger when the when the zombies popped out of the frozen gravestones. But yeah. Um, anyway, so that thread is cool. Uh, so you should take a look at that. Um, and I think uh, Mike, it would be cool if you sent me that deck, and uh, so we could post it in the show notes. Just kind of another kind of angle on um, uh, Nightcap drawing a bunch of cards. Yeah, I can do that, and I might uh, sneak in some some Astro Shrooms in, in post just to make it a little more relevant to the cycle cap stuff. But yeah, it's an alright deck. Especially because Astro Shroom is bonkers. It is. It's one of those cards from um, Galactic Gardens that I just need to make a bunch more of. I only own one of them. But yeah, Astro Shroom is, is one of those like just obviously super good cards that I just have never bothered to craft the full playset of i mean it it honestly could be a legendary based on how good it is you know and the fact that it's like a build around in that way i'm really thankful that it isn't because i would really rather spend 4k than 16k on it but uh yeah astro shrooms really good i've only had three of them for a while and i should go and make another one because you know with planet of the grapes and the little zero drop puff shroom there's so many things that can benefit off firing from it. It is, it's really nice, and it's a really good way to, like, if you're running any kind of aggro mushroom deck, just hold on to one of those Astro Shrooms and, like, a, mm-hmm. a shroom for two or two to, like, work in a sneaky lethal if your opponent's, like, at seven charges in the block meter and has three health left or something. Yeah, it's definitely one of those one drops that, like, playing it on turn one is often not the right idea. I mean, it's it's interesting. I didn't really make this comparison until now, but think to compare it to quick draw con man because they both have bullseye they both do pinging whenever something common happens but i mean astro shroom which i think is comparably good to or rather i think whenever they play a plant is comparably frequent to whenever they draw a card especially with you know regifting zombie being able to make them draw cards at your command um it's kind of crazy that one of those came out of development with one health and one of them came out of development with four health you know, like, four health really means that it's basically always safe to play on turn one, um, and one health means pretty much the exact opposite. Like, I would pretty rarely lead with a turn one Astro Shroom unless I had a, um, unless I had a thing, uh, what's it called, zero mana Puff Shroom to play in front of it. It's mind-blowing that Quick Draw Con Man cost one, and, like, I, I thought changing it to a two-drop was going to be how they, they fixed it, because a one-four for one stat with that crazy effect is way too much to turn down, as we're going to talk about later. Yes, that's true. (laughs) For our card of the week, we've got the return of another weekly event card. This time it is the Toadstool, which is a 6-mana 4-4 mushroom animal plant. It's a solar card. 
And when you play it, you can destroy a zombie with four attack or less in front of it, and at the start of your turn, you get an extra sun from it. So it does pretty much what you want a solar card to do. It acts as hard removal right there on the spot, and it will give you extra sun if you let it stick around, and it has a decent body attached to it. What do you think, Taylor? I like this card. Uh, it's not a four of by any means, but um, I think that it is very good. Killing uh, zombies without tricks, I think, is newly important now, now that we're living in a um, post-parasol zombie world. And uh, it notably also kills kitchen sink zombie. I am kind of confused at the at the sun production thing. I mean, granted, it is always good to make more sun because, you know, lets you play more stuff. But if you've already got six at the time that you play this, um, you kind of don't really need to ramp anymore. You know, I guess you could maybe play like a cornucopia or something a turn earlier. But like that, that just seems slightly excessive. And I mean... This is a plant from the Plants vs. Zombies tower defense game, and, and that is what it does. It, like, eats a guy and then makes a bunch of sun. And so, you know, the the sun production might just kind of be basically flavor text in that way. Um, but even regardless of that, I think that this is, this is a pretty good card. It's like, you know, it basically comes with a hammer attached to it, three mana, kill a thing with power three or less. And so, you know, you're basically getting a three-mana 4-4 four, four out of that, um, and that's a fine rate. I think this card is really good, and it does definitely occupy the highest end of cards that generate you more mana. Like, this is really expensive for a ramping card, but I don't think that means it's entirely useless, because there are some really expensive high-end cards that, you know, playing them a turn earlier could net you the game. Like, if you want to go turn six toadstool into like turn seven kernel corn or maybe you know get out your walnut bowling earlier or or stuff like that like there are still uses for higher end ramp and this is a lot sturdier and a lot more productive than things like the metal petal sunflower like i i think the use of this card is overwhelmingly the destroy a four attack or less creature when it gets played because there are a lot of zombies that fall under that range, and that includes eliminating anything with anti-hero, because, like, Kitchen mm. Sink and stuff like that just ignore their anti-hero. It's all about their base attack for what counts for being destroyed. But yeah, I like it. It's it's weird. Like, it's a mushroom card that absolutely does not belong anywhere near a mushroom deck, so that's kind of funny. Yeah, I mean, that, that's basically flavor text, too. You know, like, the um, the mushroom tribe is really all about weenies, and this is most definitely not a weenie. So I'm looking, I'm scrolling through the plant cards, and um, something that is notable is even within the solar class, there is a very good eight-cost plant that would be good to play on turn seven, and that's Astrovira. And so I think that this, in its way, does slot into a, a powerful build around me that exists within the same class. And so, you know, most Astrovira decks try to play an Astrovira on a pair paradise so you gain 20 and that requires a little bit more setup but i think that generally a game where you play an Astrovira and you're about to die is a game where you're not about to die anymore pair paradise aside and so toadstool does help you do that because it's a removal spell and a good body and ramps you into your Astrovira turn earlier so it does do quite a lot in that way but i think that it's not as general purpose as a smaller ramp creature like Sunflower or a more versatile removal spell like Hammer would be. It also has the trouble of cards in later sets 
offering more sun generation at much cheaper cost. So, like, it didn't have to worry about mm. solar winds or primal sunflower or sunflower seed or anything like that back when there were fewer ways to give yourself more sun per turn. Like, um, I know that Fry em Up recently did a, like, balls-to-the-walls ramping solar flare and didn't even include the toadstools because of all the low-level ramping options. But things that cost six are still really noteworthy in that if you leave your solar winds up for two turns and let it generate two sunflowers, you can play it on turn four. It's true. So that is a really good use of getting out a toadstool, especially if they play like a parasol zombie like we mentioned before. I think this is a good, much cheaper counterpart to like a Briar Rose flower deck because mm. while it's not as good removal as Briar Rose and a bunch of dummy flowers, it's still like it's another good way for you to create a creature and destroy something with one card the most important thing about this creature is that it's a pretty reliable two for one um the sun bonus is is kind of incidental and and could be good but generally it's like um what's that card sneezing zombie where like sneezing zombies real big deal is that it gives their team minus one minus one the fact that they can't heal is just kind of you know, might be relevant, might not be, but it's it's tacked onto a reasonably pushed creature, so you're okay. This is a six mana four four, which is not great rate, but if you get a free removal spell off it, then that becomes pretty good. You can also use it to draw your opponent's rocket science too, because of the they'll see that four four body and maybe use that on the toadstool instead of saving it for your Astrovera or your three headed chomper or whatever. Certainly, yeah. I've been seeing a lot of uh, mushroom solar flare decks that are running the. The Sun Shroom, the little tiny one. Oh, wow. Yeah. I the, think the two mana zero two? Yeah, they're using it to get pine clones off early. It's pretty hmm. alarming if you if you let them set up against you. Neat. Because, like, turn two, still one of those zombie players can commit all of their brains to playing one creature. So you can just set that up in some other lane and then, you know, let it, let it live for that one extra turn, and that's enough to get out, you know, all of your hand or whatever. It's time for the long-awaited continuation of our Class Warfare segment, where we go through each of the different plant and zombie classes and break down what they're good at and what what kinds of cool tricks they have and what they can't do as well. And for this week, we are doing the Crazy Class. Definitely one of my favorites. Yeah, it is. Um, according to the game, they are aggressive dancers and do damage directly. They certainly do that. Um, I think... Um... The, the number one tribe that they get is for sure the dancing class. Um, they have basically all the best ones, and a lot of very pushed cards go into the dancing class. Um, I think most notably Flamenco Zombie is a basic, um, so that's you know one of the things that the game is supposed to be all about. And it's, it's a 5-mana 3-2 that deals you know 6 or 8 damage to their face most of the time. Pretty hard to avoid putting that in your deck, especially as a new player. This one-sentence description sounded a lot more accurate for when the game was just in its base set before the expansions came out. And dancing is pushed really hard because when your whole class gimmick is it makes dancers and also it does damage, well, doing damage is really good, but it's not always Mm -hmm. really interesting. But the ways they've continued to pipe in doing damage as a crazy hero, they've done a pretty good job of keeping it pretty interesting because like damage is like okay yeah everyone wants to do damage but what makes the damage of the crazy hero so interesting and since then they've of course gotten 
new fancy keywords like overshoot and some conjure stuff and a little bit of bullseye. Yeah, they only have two bullseye cards, um, and they're two of the best ones in the entire game. Everybody's favorite crazy one-drop, uh, Quick Draw Con Man, um, and uh, one of my personal favorites, Disco Knot, um, were the only two crazy cards that reference bullseye, and they are both like really amazing. To go a little bit further on the direct damage uh, route, they get all of the spells that do direct damage. Like, so they don't get access to, say, destroy a plant in whatever. You know, they get the stuff that deals the damage right away. So Bungie Plumber, notably, is probably their most famous spell that does that. Uh, Final Mission, I think, is really great. Um, Final Mission has some upside that we'll get to a little bit later. Lately, we got Exploding Fruitcake um, and um, the uh, ever-mediocre Zombot's Wrath. Three mana deal three damage. If there's a zombie in every lane, deal six. You know, you can cast that for one with a Gargologist in play. Um, and, you know, it's just like a burn spell that goes to the face. And there are decks that are going to want to play as many of those as they can. Have you ever gotten a Zombast Wrath to do six? I have not. Neither have I. I feel like you should get some kind of achievement in the game if you do. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, like, Crazy has a couple of different ways you can go with decks. Like, you can build the Dancer deck and, you know, work towards building up your board and getting Flamenco Zombie out there. And then there's also the Valkyrie, which, you know, every time some little weak creature dies, the Valkyrie gets two attack in your hand, and that that has always been a really strong build-around card, and it was so good they even made it a legendary. Yeah, and I mean, and that's definitely a theme of Crazy cards as well. Crazy, um, as a class, makes a lot of token creatures, and it also has a lot of ways to kill stuff. Um, so, you know, one of their angles for direct damage is dealing one damage to everything. So like barrel of dead beards does that firework zombie does that. Um, and it has a bunch of stuff that triggers off of creatures you control dying. So they have good cards with death triggers like barrel of dead beards. Um, but then they also have Valkyrie and Frankentar, um, cards that just want creatures to die, even if they're yours. And, um, so that is, I think, um, a fun way to kind of flip the script on what's generally good in card games. It's really fun to just, like, sacrifice your own permanence and get some kind of crazy value. That's, you know, certainly something that's kept me coming back to Magic for 20 years. Um, and it's fun to do in this game, too. It also has the newspaper zombie, which doesn't benefit from getting destroyed, but every time it takes damage, it does. So that is big synergy with your barrel of dead beards and your fireworks zombies of the like. Ditto uh, Gas Giant, the six-mana 5-5 five, five Gargantuar that says, when hurt, deal one damage to every plant and zombie, and when destroyed, deal five to the plant hero. Um, that's a really fun card to send on a final mission. It's a great enabler for all of your other stuff. And it's just uh, it's just a very good card that kind of, no matter what happens with it, something beneficial to you happens. Like, either the plant player kills it and takes a bunch of damage to their face, or it dies in combat and kind of decimates their board full of plants that would otherwise be hurting you. Um, and as a consequence, by the way, that means that Gas Giant goes best in lane one because it kills all the plants downstream from it. Um, yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, there's also a lot of disproportionately statted creatures in the crazy class, like the 4-1 clock zombie, and, you know, there's a lot of, you know, like the 6-1 uh, imp holding a bomb, and mm. things like that. There's a lot of creatures that are very high attacked and only have one health, or there's also a couple of uh, one health tanky creatures like Jester and Quick Draw Con Man. So, like, there's a lot of... Uh, stat disproportions going on in these crazy cards right like clearly like valkyrie the best valkyrie is going to come down as like a 20 attack six health thing then you've even got spells like sugar retreat give plus three plus one sugar retreat is very strong and um crazy just kind of wants to 
deal a bunch of damage, but then like kind of not care about the later game. Like a deck full of dancing creatures is going to get overpowered by like almost any plant deck that wants to go into the late game. As good as aerobics instructor is on turn seven, it's just a two mana two, three. That's probably going to die right away. And flamenco zombies, not good unless all your tokens are still around. And so the crazy class in general kind of like wants to just push the game to a conclusion, like as soon as it possibly can. It's very aggressive. Once you play out your hand, there aren't really a lot of ways in in Tribe to replenish your hand. Like, it doesn't have a lot of draw associated with Crazy. Like, most of the card creation is based off of Conjures. Yeah, and, and, and not very much of them either. Um, most of the Conjuration stuff either also gives benefit to your opponent or otherwise just gives you one thing. So... Um, Cosmic Dancer is certainly really good, um, but Cosmic Dancer tries to end the game pretty fast. Um, and Unexpected Gifts is good, but Unexpected Gifts also gives your opponent some tools. Um, and so, you know, that it's a trade-off you're making. Um, so something I like about the Crazy class um, is it does get Gargantuars, but it gets kind of some weird ones. Um, so we mentioned Gas Giant. Gas Giant is kind of a deck all by itself. Frankentar also is one of those cards like Valkyrie that kind of like goes into a specific strategy. Um, but then it also gets the Gargantuars that make tokens. So you've got the Imp Throwing Gargantuar, which makes the 1-1 Swabbies. Um, and you got a Hippity Hop Gargantuar that makes the 0-2 uh, Mystery Eggs. And so um, that gives you more weenies to sacrifice to final mission. It gives you more stuff to get killed and to buff up your Valkyrie. But it also... Um, just causes unexpected things to happen. Like maybe you block a creature that wasn't going to get blocked and you don't take a bunch of damage that you would have otherwise taken. Like that's a surprising way for the game to go. Um, maybe you get a really awesome card out of your mystery egg and that changes the way the game would go. Crazy decks um, have a lot of randomness in them. And I think that players will often decry randomness. It's like, oh, I could have done whatever, but instead I lost the game. Um, randomness actually by and large makes the game a lot more fun. And so there are some very fun cards in in the crazy class. It also, uh, one of the cards you mentioned earlier, Disco Knot, has a uh, very good way to mitigate a lot of randomness by making it so most of your creatures don't even increment the block meter at all. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, the probably the grossest thing I have ever done in this game, um, and it isn't even that hard to do, is to play a Disco Knot and a Flamenco Zombie on the same turn and deal eight bullseye damage to their face. Like, eight bullseye damage to the face is an entire block meter's worth of value that you've denied them, and they probably also die, you know? And and it's like you just save your one drop until turn six and play it then. Um, like, it's really not that hard to do, and it is extremely effective. Yeah, Disco Knot is written very cleverly to uh, encourage those kinds of cheeky sen- shenanigans in that, like, your flamenco zombie will be affected by it, and your binary stars will be affected by it, so... You know, it'll still have three attack. It just does double damage. Mm-hmm. Like, that's another way you can go. If you don't want to go for, like, the the really high high attack to low health creatures, you can go for things with three attack or less and that have uh, interesting ways of doing more damage. Yeah, that also affects Foot Soldier Zombie. So, like, Foot Soldier Zombie usually deals its three to a plant, but it can also go to the dome. And if you've got a Disco Knot, it's got Bullseye, so that's three Bullseye damage to the dome. And there's also some fun combinations you can do with the overshoot environment Moonbase Z, where, you know, if you put, like, an Abracadaver on there, you know, it, it will do damage to the hero before it attacks, so it could even kill the thing it, that was in its lane, and then it could trigger its effect again, getting it to go twice in one turn. 
definitely. Yeah. Um, moon Bay Z, I think, um, probably deserves more love. Um, it is kind of clunky as a, as a three mana environment, but it is, it's quite good. Uh, so the, the other, uh, primary tribe in the crazy class that we haven't mentioned a ton of is party. Um, and so the party stuff tends to be based around tokens. Um, so, uh, party zombies, notably there's, there's three main ones. They are, um, unlife of the party, the one, one that gets plus one plus one whenever a zombie comes in. Uh, so that triggers off tokens. You have firework zombie, which, uh, does one damage to every plant and zombie. So it kills all your tokens. Um, and then you've got Jester, um, which interacts favorably with all the stuff that you would play to kill your tokens. Um, so that allows you to translate your stuff that kills your tokens and buffs your Valkyrie or whatever into also a little bit of damage to their face. Um, and so those are very strong. The primary party class is Brainy. It's got a lot of good stuff in there. But um, the party stuff that the Crazy class gets slots very nicely into the other stuff that that uh, Crazy is very good at. Um, and so I think that that is good game design. That's that's a way to kind of bleed the color pie a little bit so that there's you know more stuff for this one strategy available in in multiple classes. But the stuff that each class does get like belongs in that class and feels like a natural part of it. Um, and so that is, I think, a very good way to attack that deck building phenomenon. Um, and I think it makes for good gameplay as well. I think it definitely helps a lot that PBZ Heroes has this this tier of labeling that is just kind of, I don't want to say meaningless, but like it's very, it's superficial until they say it's not. In that, how, every, like, how every creature has a tribe? Yeah, like they set up all of these tribes, but they don't necessarily do anything with them other than assigning you know maybe three you know a a creature will have three tribes and you know maybe right now only one of them means anything as far as other cards go but that design space is there and like that's just a a web that they can continue weaving over the long run like kind of like what we saw with the professional class like that it's true they got a renaissance recently with the last set so like you know things like party or vacation or whatever like that could uh could end up the same way in the future yeah, and I mean, I think that that's 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 a very different decision than a game like Hearthstone makes, where like Hearthstone, by and large, every creature doesn't have a type, um, and then when they add a new type, sometimes they'll backport that type to old creatures. But I think when they do that, they're really they're putting a signpost on the game, saying, "Hey guys, this is where the deck building opportunity is." Whereas when every creature has a type, and it's just kind of this large bucket of possibilities for you to explore, that makes it a lot more valuable to the player that then goes and discovers it you know like you know pirate decks all the constituent pieces of a pirate deck kind of trickled out slowly um and then when you first put it together it was a new thing they didn't have to go back and say okay by the way um like the there's that pirate lord with gravestone that gives the pirates plus one plus one when they attack but you know here's all of the pieces that we've added pirate to so here's all the cards that go in the deck everything kind of existed already and and naturally trickled into that deck as the push cards were added later. Um, and I think that's much more rewarding as a player. One thing that they really did right, and I'm super thankful for PBZ Heroes for being like this, is setting up a given card to belong to more than one tribe, which, you know, that is a, a limitation that I don't think Hearthstone has crossed, where, you know, if you're Elemental Dragon, you know, it's either a dragon or an Elemental. It cannot be both of right. these things. And just having the flexibility of having a card count for more than one tribe, I think, is a really big thing in PBC Heroes' favor. 
Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, it it's a good way for for strong um, archetypes to be different from hero to hero. Like you know, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of pet cards, um, and they're mostly in beastly, but there are strong pets in basically every class. And the fact that Gizzard Lizard, let me just make sure Gizzard Lizard is a pet. Yes. The fact that Gizzard Lizard is a pet means that um, you don't have to sacrifice that pet synergy if you're playing an uh, Electric Boogaloo pet deck. Um, you're able to get something strong that still fits into your main strategy, but does something that is uniquely only available to crazy. And so it makes the decks play very differently. And so that is um that's just another way that the initial design parameters of this game have paid dividends later is that being able to have an arbitrary number of creature types on a zombie um or plant causes deck building opportunities later down the line that's a good uh run through of what crazy does have um there is a fair bit of stuff that crazy doesn't have like any good game with different class segmentation um so notably i think the things that um crazy doesn't have is strike through frenzy and movement. Um, all of those things are very strong mechanics that Crazy just does not have access to in its normal operation. Um, and I think the reason they don't is because they have overshoot and direct damage, ways to get damage into the plant player's face um, in a way that doesn't require you to make bonus attacks and doesn't require you to have to be sneaky and dodge out of the way. It allows other classes to like have that design space while still kind of not falling behind from a from a mechanical perspective when uh when set two came out overshoot was definitely pushed as being crazy's baby Mm -hmm. and as a result like that is that's the thing they can do and they can do like a little bit of stat boosting but in return they don't get all the extra special effects onto a onto a creature's attack on their own they have to you know if you want if you want something with frenzy you need to make either a party or a beastly hero or like if you want something with deadly you you play infinity things like that if, uh, though if you do play infinity there are a lot of good uh crazy cards that benefit from give, being given deadly oh yeah i mean barrel of dead beards number one i think that you know just the fact that that becomes a thing that sweeps the entire board is really just ridiculous notably space ninja as well the the two mana three two that when it deals damage while in an environment it deals one to the uh to every plant um that very notably does not have to deal damage to the plant player's face um it only has to connect with a creature um and so that just says when it kills when it deals damage to a creature it hits every creature and it that means deadly kills everything including the turn that it dies yeah so it can go out and take the entire board with it and there's also like Final missioning a barrel of dead beards on laser base alpha. That that always feels really good unless it happens against you. And I mean, you know, gas giant, like any anything that deals damage to the whole board is like obviously totally busted with deadly. Um, and I mean, that's more that's more of a criticism of barrel of barrels than it is of anything that the crazy class is doing. Um, but um, yeah, crazy notably has to do a very small amount of work if it wants to make its ridiculous creatures deadly. And the uh, the other big thing it doesn't have is armor. Um, so, uh, crazy wants its stuff to die. And so stuff that's harder to kill is like kind of, it's some anti-synergy there. Um, and armor is about lasting longer and, uh, crazy, as I've mentioned is by and large, very aggressive. Um, there are some big stuff that it can do. Generally speaking, um, crazy wants to play its cards and then have them die. 
and uh, giving it access to armor would kind of be working against itself. One last thing to add in on the the things crazy does not have is card draw in that all the sources of extra cards are from conjures, like things like unexpected gifts. There's not any way for uh, crazy cards to to dig you deeper into your own deck. And a lot of the crazy cards will kind of like you you play until your hand is empty and hopefully you've won by then. Yeah, that's that's a that's a common feature of aggro decks. You just sort of like, well, here's what I'm working with this game. Let's see how I can maximize it, um, which makes them, in fact, quite difficult to play. You know, as an aggro deck, you're you're making significantly fewer decisions over the course of a game because the game's so much shorter, which means that there's a lot more pressure on you to make all the decisions correctly. And uh, that, I think, is one of the more interesting things about aggro decks. You know, you don't kind of have the the room to maneuver that uh, that control decks or mid range decks will often have. But um, yeah, crazy doesn't really let you dig deeper towards a combo piece or anything like that. You're you're just kind of meant to play to the board the old fashioned way. Um, so I've said a whole bunch of times that my favorite hero in the game is Electric Boogaloo, um, and it should come as no surprise that my favorite crazy hero is also Electric Boogaloo. I just kind of love everything about that deck. Um, there are even multiple good decks that take place in Electric Boogaloo. And um, yeah, it's just a good, fun pool of cards to build from. Similarly gushing from previous episodes, my favorite crazy hero is Infinity. I think this was the only crazy hero I had for a long time when I was still unlocking all the heroes. So I, I grew accustomed to it that way. And like I said before, I think the deadly cards synergize really well with the sneaky cards. You know, when you have things like Sharkbot and Barrel of Barrels that, and uh, Laser Base Alpha that all fit in really well with what you want to do. Uh, Infinity is definitely the crazy hero I spent the most time with, and it's, I don't know, I, I suppose it's the one I've gotten the least mad at, because like, <laughs> like Professor Brainstorm, I still get the, the flashbacks of the old days back when Brainstorm was was at the, the toppest of the tier and running barely any crazy cards to begin with. Yeah, I mean, the um, the teleport Valkyrie deck was kind of the Zomblob before Zomblob, um, and, you know, being able to play a 20-power Valkyrie and then give it a bonus attack in the tricks phase is just as uninteractive as Zomblob. Yeah, Professor Brainstorm has certainly done his fair share of tearing up the meta. Now on to our most internally discussed part of mm. Class Warfare as the, the crafting recommendations. So each of us are going to give you uh, an event, a super rare, and a legendary card from this class that we think are the best ones for a new player to make starting out. Except we're not really going to do that because uh, by and large, all of the crazy event cards are not that good. Or um, they're so new that you can't craft them yet. Yeah, that too. Um, so I think we're both in agreement that if you want to craft a crazy event card, um, wait until Exploding Fruitcake is available to be crafted and then make that. You know, Unexpected Gifts is okay. Frankentar is pretty good. Stupid Cupid is fine. No, Stupid um, Cupid is bad. I'm just going to go in there and, like, the only time I'm happy to see Stupid Cupid is when I conjure it off of Cosmic Amp. Because, like, then it already has Deadly, so it can do its one really cool trick, and you don't even need to put it in your deck. So, like, I'm hard pass on Stupid Cupid. Yeah, I guess, but, I mean, it's whatever. But, yeah, I mean, so the Unexpected Gifts, or uh, Exploding Fruitcake is, I would think, the best crazy event card Frankentar is probably number two, um, and so if you're looking for them, uh, if you're looking to build those specifically, um, then go with those. But I think there are a lot better things going on in the crazy class for you to spend your sparks on besides the events. I wonder if Fruitcake will cost 1000 or 2000 when it gets pushed to craftable. 
I think all the uh, the for pay only cards cost two thousand. Mm, still, which is a bit of that's a bit of a bummer. That's a lot, but that's it's still a pretty good card. Yeah, I mean, I think that there are. It's fine. I mean, like the crazy thankfully has enough stuff that kind of does that same thing that that it's relatively replaceable. Um, so certainly, if you have access to deadly stuff. You have a lot of ways to kill arbitrarily big stuff built into the crazy class. But then you've also got like Final Mission. Um, like Final Mission does a pretty good job of killing kind of whatever. And I mean, it's not as good as dealing seven, but I mean, you know, that's why that's a for pay only card. Um, anyway, though, so uh, my pick for a super rare crazy card to craft is Disco Knot, uh, the one mana two two dancing zombie that says zombies with three attack or less have bullseye. Um, so this gives bullseye to itself. Uh, like we mentioned, it gives bullseye to flamenco zombie. Um, and lots of other stuff, and um, aggro decks really, really, really want to get bullseye damage in, um, and so that's just something that really every aggro deck should be wanting to do. Uh, it's a one-drop, so you can play it early or late, and it doesn't really interfere with what's going on in your curve. Um, so yeah, this is real strong. Yeah. My pick for uh, crafting super rare is the Gas Giant. This card reminds me a lot of Grapes of Wrath, which I'm a big fan mm. of. I like things that do something really powerful when they when they die, it creates weird mind and block meter games for your opponent, and if you're running Final Mission, you can kill it whenever you want. And also, two of them, like, kill each other infinitely forever, um, which is pretty funny to watch. Oh, wow, I haven't had that uh, happen before, but that sounds really funny. Yeah, they trigger each other until one of them is dead. Honorable mention to the conspicuously absent from this list, Quick Draw Con Man. Um, I think that that card is really good, so does Mike, um, but, I mean... That would be too easy. Also, I don't want to recommend a card that's about to get nerfed for a crafting recommendation, and I'm guessing most of you probably have four of them already. Yeah, I mean, it's from the latest set, so a new player would have more access to it than something like Disco Knot, which is from set two. But, um, yeah, Quick Dracon Man is really great, but there are there are kind of more interesting things uh, to craft, I think, than that. Um, and as for Legendaries, my pick for a... Um, a crazy legend to craft is Quasar Wizard, uh, also from Galactic Gardens. It's the two-mana, two-two mustache zombie that says, when played, if there's a zombie next door, conjure a superpower. Um, and so that's just very good. Two-mana, two-two is a fine rate. Um, and uh, the fact that you get a superpower um, is just like, draw a card that's better than almost anything else in your deck. There are plenty of good superpowers that are like strong removal spells, um, this just kind of isn't going to be a blank. It's going to be a two mana two two that draws you a good card, um, and that's very worth including. I have two quasars, and I pretty much put them in every deck I make without even thinking. It is a really good find. My pick for the crazy card to craft legendary is a a little less uh, useful in every deck, but it can still be quite the nightmare. I'm picking binary stars which is the other legendary from Galactic Gardens. It's the Gravestone 5-mana 3-3 that makes all of your cards do double damage. And double is a very big keyword. Like, that is that is a level of turning up the power on all of this direct damage stuff that hasn't really been seen much before. Like, the fact that a final mission can do 8 damage for 1 mana is mind-blowing. And, you know, all of the stuff with Overshoot, like, that's... That's overshoot for six now without even having to attack. Sure, it's a it's a very dangerous card to play because you know you can just grave buster it or grave mistake it, and then it's like oh no, you're 
kind of SOL, but if you can let it survive for a turn, it can win you the game. Yeah, if you've never conjured a binary stars off of a cosmic dancer, uh, oh boy. Oh, that is that is the good life right there. Uh, yeah, so um, all in all, Crazy is definitely one of the best classes in the game. Um, it's definitely going to add a lot to any other class that it's paired with. And uh, there are a whole bunch of stuff. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on in the crazy class that makes it good for being your primary game plan. Um, and so um, I'm pretty much never upset when crazy comes up in my 10x class pair. Um, and I think that uh, new players who play crazy cards will go far. It's gotten a lot stronger as each expansion comes out because it it used to be like you know barrel of dead beards and not much else going on. But now there's a a good mix of really high-end crazy cards for people to play and a lot of strong crazy heroes to play them in. Uh, so that's going to do it for episode 15 of the PVZ Heroes podcast, Room for Two. Thank you all so much for continuing to come back. I'm uh, really excited about what uh, is going to happen with the show in the new year. Uh, just before the show started, we were brainstorming uh, some ideas for our next uh, Battle Royale episode where we build a bunch of decks and fight each other. Um, and, um, yeah, I'm just excited to hear what happens, what you guys want to see, um, and, uh, excited to be a part of it with y'all. I'm glad that we were able to record this when we were, and I am sure that I'm going to wake up sick tomorrow after I've spent so much time around sick people in New England, and I'm glad that my voice was still working for this, and I'll have a full week to recover before we have to record another episode. Yeah, I think, um, there wasn't really a ton of, like... There should be a podcast. There should be a podcast like happening in the Reddit for this game. You know, I think that uh, I've been really happy with the reception that we've gotten. You know, there are a lot of other cool kind of content creators happening in this scene. Um, you know, Sura F's uh, Reddit thread that we uh, published earlier in this uh, show, I think, is just like a cool way to provide resources for people who want to come play this game. That's what I hope this show ends up being, something accessible to new players that helps them play this cool game with us. Um, and uh, so if you have ideas about what you want to hear, please either post them in that thread that we uh, mentioned before or send it to us at shroomfor2podcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, just keep listening to the show. Uh, and until next week, I'm Taylor. And I'm Mike. Happy still the new year. Happy still the new year. Happy still the new year.